It's shocking to me how important work is and yet how broken finding the right job can be. Everyone's had a bad experience. Trawling through irrelevant job ads, not knowing the salary, applying and then never hearing back. And for managers, wading through irrelevant applications or sending hundreds of LinkedIn emails, hoping for a response. But it doesn't have to be this way. Otter matches the right people with the right jobs at all the most exciting companies. It was founded to make finding a great job less soul-crushing. I use Otter when I'm hiring at Heights, and honestly, I love it. Candidates simply answer a few questions about what they're looking for, and Otter serves up only relevant jobs that match their skills and preferences. This smart matching means companies receive more relevant applications, helping them find the very best people much faster than before. So, if you're looking for the right job, or you'd like to hire smarter, check out otter.com forward slash secret leaders. That's O-T-T-A dot com forward slash secret leaders. When you win, people are around you. When you lose, you're on your own. It's not cool to fail. Everyone else in the meanwhile is earning more money, having better careers, getting nicer houses. That's Alessandro, or Alex Civelli, the co-founder of Pasta Evangelist, which you've probably come across. I can confirm their pasta is delicious. But before he was getting his hands in the proverbial pasta dough, Alex tried to climb a much tougher mountain, building a luxury smartphone brand. We're talking hardware and software to compete with the likes of Apple and Samsung, but bedecked in precious metals and jewels. They had some big wins, but you know why we're here. It didn't work out. This is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because failure is a lot more interesting than success and a lot more common, but we hardly ever hear about it. We're changing that with the likes of Alex helping us become better founders. Alex named the brand after himself, Savelli. And when you hear his rationale, you can see why he thought there was an opportunity in the smartphone market. And I thought, I wonder why everyone has the same device, irrespective of sex, age, and wealth. Whilst typically accessories, handbags, watches, clothing, arguably jewellery, there's different prices, different items, depending on if you're a male versus female, and also depending on your wealth, i.e. if you're a woman, most likely you may wear a different piece of jewellery than if you're a guy. And if you're affluent, most likely you'll be wearing different types of handbag than someone who isn't. Whilst the smartphone, on the other hand, everyone uses the same product. So far, so good. Makes sense. Why is there so little variation in the smartphone market? Alex soon found out the hard way. The first two years were very painful. I was clueless. It was 2008 where there wasn't the startup ecosystem there is today. I just did not know how to start. I did not know how to raise capital. And furthermore, in 2008, the economy was in a much worse recession than today. Lehman Brothers went bust. So raising capital then was impossible, and I was ill-equipped. So the first two years, I ended up having around 200 investor meetings with a complete failure. But then Alex swung things back his way. He managed to raise some capital overnight, two and a half million euros, and he was faced with a new set of problems. Then it was two years of development. Our phone was 
nine months late. We had all sorts of issues. However, one week after launching, we convinced Harrods to launch our brand. So again, we went from very difficult moments, delays, issues, hardware issues, design issues, brand issues, to launching in the number one shop in the world. And on our second day since launch, selling one of our phones for £95,000. Wow. If that's what someone spends on a phone, I'd love to see how they holiday. But seriously, I think if you were in Alex's position, you'd have thought that was a pretty good sign. Just think of the average order size. And there were more good times. They launched in the most luxurious shop in Paris, and they got the biggest luxury distributor in China lined up to launch the brand in that massive market. Then it got very bad again. We had tech issues with the device. Convincing retailers was harder than expected. And then the economy turned. Uh, Luxury goods in China fell off a cliff. Oil price halved. And therefore, luxury good consumption in Russia and the Middle East pretty much halved overnight. So we got hit in the face again. This was 2014, 2015. And then I kept from two more years, 2014, 2016, I tried to save the business, to raise capital, to get distributors. I just tried and tried and tried uh, till the end, till the bitter end. And again, the roller coaster continued. At the end of the whole process, I got at the last minute two Chinese groups who wanted to buy the majority of the business and relaunch it. We got term sheets. This was in Q1 2016. Now I've been working on the business for eight years. And the following quarter, both of these term sheets vanished. It was the end of the road. Alex liquidated the business at great personal cost. Eight years of work, you know, sole founder, really. The company was called with my surname. There's something quite painful of literally going to the office and pulling off the wall, the brand of your company, which is called your surname, <laughs> and, 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 and checking, chucking in the bin uh, pallets and pallets of packaging and pieces, basically all of them with your surname on them. It was brutal. It lasted a long time. It wasn't one painful day. It was two years of pain. I hadn't paid myself a year as a salary for at least a year, maybe a year and a half. I can't even remember. And previously, I was earning 50 grand. So, um, yeah, from a financial perspective, it's pretty catastrophic. The funny thing, though, is that Alex today is delighted the term she's got pulled, or he might still be chipping away at the coalface with a business that was wrong from the start. I mean, bottom line... It was just too difficult to start with. I think there's some some businesses where the mountain was just too high to start with. Developing a smartphone device is very costly and very complicated with many moving parts. You've got mechanics, you've got the industrial design, software, hardware. The marketing could not be localized because you're talking to a global consumer. The distribution is extremely difficult because you are competing with extremely established brands like Rolex, like Cartier. Now, I often ask myself, had the execution been flawless, would we have survived? Absolutely no. What what were the biggest mistakes we did? And again, the biggest mistake was starting the business in the first place. 
from an execution perspective, what mistakes did we do? I mean, for sure, one mistake I did was um, I should have missed it more in product. I only had really one ops person. I should have had two or three. That was a mistake. Um, I should have hired a salesperson sooner. That was a mistake. Starting a company in Geneva in Switzerland is tricky because there's limited talent, small city. But but to be honest, it was even if we had done a hundred percent execution, which which is impossible. Even if we had, we would have failed. Alex's confidence had taken a knock, but he thought the best medicine was jumping straight back in with his new company, Pasta Evangelists. But this time, he was one startup wiser. So my first company taught me what I didn't want to do again. And so I knew I wanted to start a business where I could achieve some revenue traction relatively quickly. Uh, That was, for me, very important. Selling some product, some revenue traction relatively quickly. Second of all, I wasn't interested in in selling products to 1% of consumers. I wanted to sell products to 50%. I didn't want to do something to elitists, in other words. Um, And I wanted to sell, I wanted to develop a business where I could achieve, yeah, achieve sales in a matter of weeks, not in a matter of waiting two years of development. I was still interested in creating a meaningful business, creating a big business, and potentially creating a valuable business. But I wanted to get traction quickly, set into a very meaningful chunk of people. And I also wanted to sell the products, build a business, which is close to my heart. Something that I would consume myself. The thing is, most successful entrepreneurs do fail at some point. The trick is to not see a failure, particularly if it's your first venture, as the end of the story. I also suggest that, you know, starting a business is almost a career in itself, i.e., Whilst in a career, you may change companies, you may change roles. Same with a startup. If the first one doesn't succeed, it may have taught you a lot of the learnings needed to succeed second time round. Which sounds a bit counterintuitive, but if you envisage it as a career, you know, you might give it a second shot or a third shot. Alex Civelli, and I think he's spot on that starting a business is really starting a new career. If at first you don't succeed, well, you know what to do. Thanks for listening to this episode of Secret Leaders. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you like this episode, hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. It makes a massive difference. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.